Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Alex Barcenas. Devices coming out of our ears, praise God, or technology. I, uh, I thought I lost my notes at one point when we had baptisms um, a few weeks ago. But who knows, one note is accessible from the cloud. And some of you are thinking, what cloud? There is a cloud. A glorious cloud. Jess did mention we've just come back from the Gold Coast. It does sound like all fun and games, but um, there there were some challenging times too. You know, staying in a high-rise service-level apartment with artificial air. You tend to lose your voice, tend to get a bit sick. In fact, I was this close to pulling the pin on the last session Thursday night because I was quite unwell. had high temperatures and uh, really just bad throat. And Alana, our baby girl here, I've got her to pray for us. She's gone through many seasons in her prayer life where she was uh, praying for me at one point. And at one point, she's like, Daddy, why do I need to pray? I don't know what I'm saying. Because <laughs> we, we gave her some sort of robotic prayer that, uh, you know, she'll do, God will do amazing things. But she's come back. Praise God. Come back. Welcome back to the Lord, Alana. She said, uh, Jesus, you must make him feel better. And who knows, that night I was 100% and uh, God was amazing because the last night of conference was probably the most impactful for me. Uh, So much so that part of what I got from that session, I'll be sharing a little bit here because also prior to conference in lead up to this morning, I was praying and asking God, what do you want me to share? And he, he talked about, the Beatitudes, in particular, Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And on Wednesday night, we had Pastor Russell Evans from Planet Shakers, in fact, my previous pastor, and he talked about in every season of his life with God, he always had that hunger. He talked about, funnily enough, the fire of God. And what is one of the fuels for the fire of God? It's our hunger. So I took that word fire, fire church, yep. Hunger, thank you, Lord, you already told me to speak in that. And then Thursday night, Pastor Mark, very huge, I'm probably not even saying it properly, a a man you wouldn't even think, uh, you know, has a church, is quite humble. Um, uh, In Perth alone, I've heard it's about 13,000 people around the globe, nine campuses, 25,000 people. I started following him on Instagram because he made quite an impact on me. Last week alone, they had 771 connect groups. That's like twice the number of people that we have here, but that's just groups alone. Just a crazy amount of goodness that God has shown throughout the years of ministry that he's been in. And he was talking about the oil of God. And what are we bringing home? Are we bringing home more oil than we came in with? And I'll I'll explain it a little bit later. And he was talking about hungering. And I turned to Jess during that meeting. I said, hey, Jess, I think this is my second confirmation about Matthew 5 and 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And she's already heard this from me before. And love Jess. She's like, well, that's great. Uh, Can I just listen to the speaker now? (laughs) Uh, Some people think, uh, especially the the ones close to us, uh, describe us as a bit of uh, Deborah and Ray from Everybody Loves Raymond. A lot of her responses to me is like Deborah. And I'm kind of like Ray, the goofy husband at home. So uh, sometimes I catch Jess and say, oh, thanks, thanks, Deborah. Thanks for the comment. 
And so she said to me, thanks, can I just listen to the speaker now? And literally the next second, Pastor Mark shares from the microphone, Matthew 5 and 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And the third confirmation, because who knows confirmations are great when they come in three, was yesterday, John Boy, our resident evangelist, he saw the graphic up for this morning that I'll be preaching on the Beatitudes, in particular Matthew 5 and 6. He texted me and said, oh, bro, Matthew 5 and 6, and I asked me, you too? He said, yeah, God's given me that word for Gippsland this afternoon. So you guys are going to hear from it uh, from me this morning in our Gippsland campus. We didn't even plan it, but Holy Spirit is all over it. Praise God. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you've prepared it ahead of time, that there is a theme around hungering and thirsting for righteousness that you want your people to hear. Not just, not just in this house, but in our other locations as well, God, that we will spread it to our other locations. But more than that too, your body, God, the body of Christ within our ACC family, that you're wanting us as a movement, as a body of people who are so passionately in love with you to hunger more, to thirst more for who you are. God, that we won't be satisfied with where we are now, in our relationship with you, that we want to pursue you more and more, God, because you're all that really, all that really matters, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking good today. Turn to the other neighbor and say, you're looking better. That's a bit cheeky, isn't it? Don't do that if you have a wife or a girlfriend, goodness gracious. All right. Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, at his, when he was seated his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the Harley Davidsons. For they rumble so good. Blessed, that's Dave, he was here for the first service. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Love that, that grunt. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What a blessing it is to be persecuted, hey? Who, who's read the Beatitudes before and realized this actually can apply to witnessing to the lost and outreach? You know, when I, when I first came across it, I thought, it's just some principles which we need to live by as Christians. And by the way, when we think about, side topic a little bit, 
when you think about different species of cats, let's take the lion for example, there's things that's noticeably different about them to perhaps a tiger, where a tiger has stripes. A lion has a, a male lion has a, a mane about them, the way that they carry themselves, they are the king of the jungle, they're called that for a reason. And so my question this morning is, what makes us different as Christians? When people encounter us, when they see us, what is it, that distinguishing factor that says, there's something different about this person? And then they soon realize that we're, we're Christians, we're believers, we're sons and daughters of God. They don't just look at our ripped jeans and wide brim hats, like in some of these uh, other big famous churches. That's not the thing that makes us a Christian. It's not our fashion sense, it's not what we wear, but it's how we represent God. And the Beatitudes talks about the different attitudes that we need to take on as believers. It actually is translated as being happy or being blessed, the, the word blessed being happy. So in whatever state, in whatever situation or challenge you find yourself in, Jesus is saying, you will be blessed if you demonstrate these attitudes, if you take on these things. And some scholars actually say that the first four Beatitudes represent the foundations of a believer, and the last four represents the fruit of a believer, and they're linked. So the first and the fifth correlate and complement each other, the second and the sixth, the third and the seventh, and then the fourth and eighth. Let, let me explain that a little bit to you. Verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed, verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. See, when it talks about being poor in the spirit, it realizes in our own strength, in our own spirit, we aren't actually much in terms of eternity. To obtain anything of eternal significance, including our salvation, we need to come to God with a poor spirit. We need to say and recognize, if it's not by your spirit, Lord, we can't do anything. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And those who are poor in spirit and recognize their need for God in their life, because they understand their own shortcomings or their own imperfections, realize that when others have maybe crossed them, due to their own shortcomings and imperfections, they realize, I need to be merciful too. That we need to be merciful towards others because God has been merciful towards me. And I'll go through this a little bit quickly this morning because I want to hone in on the righteousness part. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the mourn, for they shall be comforted. It talks about in the Bible, worldly repentance, worldly sorrow leads to death. But godly sorrow leads to repentance. Worldly sorrow, that guilt, that shame, that grief can lead to death. But godly sorrow leads to repentance. There's a difference there. That one ends in death and one will actually end up in life with God. A change in heart, seeking God and His character and His goodness, 
And as a result, comes out of that thankfulness, leading to what scriptures point us to, a pure heart. In Psalm 24, verse 3 to 4, it says this, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. See, when we repent with godly sorrow, we're saying we don't want any more of our previous life and our mistakes. We don't want to live that life of sin and of the flesh anymore. We want to live to please the Spirit. So we want to live with a pure heart. Meekness. Meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Meek doesn't mean weak. Meek is another word for humility. And being humble isn't, doesn't mean that we're going to be a doormat for others to trample on and we kind of like just shy away and, and hide ourselves in the corner. But godly humility is being comfortable with who you are in the Lord, in the Lord, and therefore putting others first. The picture of humility in the Bible is one of a strong person who loves others and not someone who is a wimp. Did you know that? If you're humble, you recognize your strength, you recognize who you are in Jesus, who you are in Christ, that you don't need to kind of like be this weak little person, have this kind of parade of false humility, but it's recognizing your own strength, but also loving others that you would consider them better than yourselves like the Bible tells us to, that you're willing to serve others like Jesus was. That being humble means that we're free from pride and arrogance, that we're willing to serve others and love others. And so when it comes to outreach, God, I want you to use me. I want to be humble in how you use me, in how you speak to me about the lost. That I'm going to put my own fears, my own worries about what others think of me, but I know who I am in you, and I know there's a lost person that you want me to speak to. You know, our, our first night as a family, because we, we uh, went together as a family with uh, Pastor Dan and Chelsea as well, and their kids came along uh, to the conference, and we had teppanyaki for, for dinner. Who's been to teppanyaki before? How fun is teppanyaki, especially when you get some pretty fun chefs? And um, the chefs, they were all Filipino. And I thought, wow, this is pretty cool because they're, they're being a little bit cheeky with me. I can speak a little bit of the native tongue. I came to Australia, by the way, when I was six years old. And mum and dad thought for our two boys to assimilate, we we'll, won't teach them Tagalog anymore, the native language, but just pure English. And so the, the six-year-old vocabulary that I had was enough to score some free sushi some extra Wagyu beef, and we were just having a lot of fun. But at the same time, God was speaking, speaking to me about one of the waiters, and he's saying, son, this man has a daughter, and there's going to be a missionary call on their life. I said, sir, are you a Christian by any chance? He said, oh, I'm Catholic, you know, I'll go to Hillsong. 
It's all the same to me kind of thing. I said, that's cool. Do you have a daughter, by the way? Because God is just showing me that you've got a daughter. He goes, in fact, I've got two daughters, no sons, just two daughters. And so he said something about the missions field, because God's telling me about the missions field for you, your daughter. And he said to me, well, in fact, both girls are enrolled at Hillcrest Christian College up in Brisbane, and one of them are going on a planned missions trip next year to Thailand. I go, cool. Well, God is speaking a missionary life to your daughter, and he's going to plant seeds and give her visions of what it's like to be a missionary, and she will be used powerfully for the kingdom. But I could have easily sat back in my chair. I could have easily thought, you know what, I don't want to bother this man. He's uh, busy as is, or we're just having fun. Maybe I don't want to kind of like ruin that thing that we've got going on. We've got freebies happening anyway, so why would I try and risk that? But the humility of God is knowing who you are in God, knowing your call, your purpose, and valuing others as well. I love technology. It's making me uh, put him on password again. So those who are humble will find it easier to be peacemakers. Blessed, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. James 3.18 says this, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And the Bible doesn't talk about false peace, peace built on false pretenses that, you know what, I'm going to have to compromise on my truth just so you can get to know my God a little bit better. It's offering the peace of God, the unconditional, unbiased truth of the Word of God, biased towards Him, obviously, but not compromising on His truth, not backing down. They are the true peacemakers, built on the true peace of God. So humble people are willing to recognize there's someone more important here at stake. I'm going to take the risk and speak to them about Jesus. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse 6, this is what we're going to focus on now. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What a reward, hey? What a reward. Why do you think that God is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? And why, why is it that the reward is a filling? Because who knows, when you stand up for righteousness, when you stand up for the things of God, persecution will follow. It's not that as believers that we pursue the persecution. It's not like we're out there saying, here's a whip with me because I'm a Christian kind of thing. And look at me, I'm going to put up this social media status because I know I'm going to get persecution. I love persecution. We do what we do because we want to stand up for righteousness with that territory comes persecution. And so persecution actually pursues the believer. It just comes with the territory. Israel Folau, famous rugby player, 
he posted a, a verse of scripture which had a lot of controversy in social media to the point that he lost his job, a $4 million contract. He's a man who stood up for righteousness and was persecuted. Pastor Margaret Court, who has called for the 21 days prayer and fasting, not too long ago, about a year or two ago, she stood up for righteousness in marriage, what it means in the Bible to be married, which is between man and woman. She stood up for that and she got persecuted. But who knows it's worth it? Who knows, as the Bible promises, in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11 continues on. Blessed are, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wouldn't you like to live with a clean conscience knowing that you stood up for God? Yes, it gets tough. Yes, it gets hard, hard in the heated moments when we step out for God. But knowing that we have stepped out for God, knowing that He sees and looks down from heaven and that one day we will see that reward, that prophets before us did something similar and a hero isn't a hero without their challenges, without overcoming their difficulties. And so, yes, I've witnessed before in the past, and I've been persecuted. And now a form of persecution here in the West is nowhere near as bad as what we've seen on the other side of the world, in Sri Lanka where there's been bombings, in the Philippines where there's been bombings. We've got a good here. At most, I've just had the F word thrown at me. Or I told a, a shop assistant once, I was buying a pair of jeans. And I go, hey, do you know Jesus? She goes, yeah. You, you mean DJ Jesus? <laughs> oh, no, 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 but he, he is the life of a party. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ. And she pushed it back. I thought, oh, well, that, that, that didn't resonate too well for you. But it comes with the territory. When we, when we stand up for righteousness persecution will come. But that's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And you may be in a place this morning where things are going good, but God is saying there is more. That these Beatitudes isn't like a one-hit activity, isn't a one-off lifetime activity where, you know what, I've been humble once, I'm good to go. I've been meek, I've been poor in spirit, I've repented, I'm all good. I've, I've come before to the altar, I've received a filling of the Holy Spirit, I'm all good. This is a lifestyle. Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Who's ever been to a smorgasbord and got filled, sick to the guts? <laughs> Did you stay full the next day? Maybe, in the first, probably skipped out on breakfast. But come lunchtime, come dinner time, you're hungry again, right? So Jesus is saying, come to the smorgasbord. Come and be filled again. 
You're going to need it. In fact, be filled to the overflow. Because what life is going to throw your way as you stand up for me may knock you out if you're not filled up with the Holy Spirit, if you're not filled up with His goodness and understand who He is and His love for you and His mercy for you and His reward for you for standing up for righteousness. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23, but in the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Proverbs 12.28. Let me read out a few more scriptures to you as well. God, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Who are we talking about here? It's Jesus. Righteousness isn't just a principle or an attribute. It's actually a person. John seven thirty seven. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Are you thirsty this morning? 1 Timothy 6, 11. But you... O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love. Oh, password again. My iPad, people have been bagging me out for not using an iPad. I think they are right. I'm using my, my tablet. I should have stuck with the iPad, Ben Noonan. Thank you very much. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I wonder, is there anyone here in the room this morning who's never experienced the love of God? When you hear these things that I'm saying about the righteousness of God, you understand for yourself, perhaps I don't have that in me. In fact, there's a lot of unrighteousness in me. I, I know what it's like be, before becoming a Christian, what it's like to live a life outside of God, full of sin, full of unrighteousness. So we're going to call up an invitation very shortly for you to receive Jesus. But I want to share very briefly as well like I said that's at the start of my sermon, that the oil of God, the anointing of God, is so vital and, and crucial for our walk with Him that I thought these points were too good not to share. So I'm, I'm admitting plagiarism right now from Pastor Mark Varicuse that when I share the next couple of points, I believe it's going to bless you as well. The Bible talks about the parable of the ten virgins and how they were to meet the bridegroom. Five of them, the Bible calls as wise, as they reserve for them some extra oil to keep the flame going. Five of them, the Bible calls as foolish because they didn't have reserves for their oil lamps. And so when the oil had run out, 
the flame had gone out. So foolish Christianity is actually thinking that we can run on minimum oil. Is thinking that we can live on yesterday's filling. A decade ago's filling. At that revival meeting I went to a few years back. That I can run off that. In fact, I feel like God is saying you're running on fumes. It's time for a refilling. And don't worry about having fancy lamps, but carry serious levels of oils. These things correlate hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for more of God. Where there is purity, there is power. The oil will flow in a willing and clean vessel. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. It doesn't say if you hunger and thirst for righteousness and mix in a little bit of unrighteousness and live that lifestyle of secret sin, you shall be filled. Jesus is saying, abandon it all. Drop it all. Follow me. Pursue me. And why pray for more oil? Number one, for unexpected delays. Christians who run on minimum oil expose themselves with running on a minimum God when the delays happen. Now, I think I may have shared this before. We saw it in Bible college when people are trying to find their partners, their significant other. And then when the delay comes, it ends up being their destruction for their cause. They'll you see them, they go on multiple dates with different people and it's like, you got desperation written all over you. And um, you don't see them finish. You don't see them finish their race. They, they'll say things like, um, I think God's calling me out now. Well, hang on, didn't God call you in? Is it perhaps that you've let the delay demotivate you, discourage you? But if you carry the oil, if you carry crazy, ridiculous levels of oil, it'll bring you through any delay. It'll help you be content in where you are. At one point in my life, I started to ask God, I've done my Bible college degree, what's going on with that? I'm getting a little bit frustrated with my job. I was about to leave that company, my previous company, before stepping into this role. And God said, don't leave. There's a role for you. And what you learn in that role, it will develop you for ministry. Yes, I learned the theology side of things at college, but there was another element I didn't even see or think about. And God said, I'll develop you in this role. And the bill won't be on the church. The bill for your development will be in the corporate world. So I stepped into my coaching role, started going through the courses, $3,000 a pop, twice over. Other training and development programs that we went through, all in all, I think it's probably about $13,000 worth of development. The strategic planning and thinking, soon as I started reading about coaching and learning about that, 
you can replace that word coaching with discipleship. And God was starting to highlight, this is what you're going to be doing, son. This is what you're going to be doing. You're going to draw out the best in people. You're going to have some tools and techniques. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, using the truth and the Word of God to help people in their journey, in their walk with Him. And spurring them along. So I saw God during those close to three years in that role that I had. Seeking that oil, seeking that anointing. I was content. It, when, the, when the offer came for this role, I said to Jess, I'm actually at the happiest place I've ever been. I don't know if I want to fully say yes yet. So content. Amazing boss, amazing team, great results. Changing the game. But God was saying, now's my time. I want to return to my investment. So I said, Jesus, do what you want. I'm going to miss the training and development. I'm going to miss all that kind of stuff that I got to experience in the corporate world. And I thought, you know, the church world, it's great. It's, all, it's my calling and all that, but I'm not going to have all that anymore. Within a month, we had Pastor David Balestri here, the executive pastor from Darlene Texas Church in um, New South Wales, Central Coast. And he started to pour into our staff and our ministry leaders. It was the stuff that I got exposed to in the corporate world, but with the flavor of the kingdom, which was backed by the, the word of God. And I, I said to David, this is better than what I've seen in the corporate world. Far better. God is exceeding my expectations. And you're a lot cheaper too. <laughs> then he took us on this family trip to Gold Coast. In the previous company, before we, we became publicly listed, uh, we were owned by the government. And so whoever's worked for a government uh, body before knows that you can kind of like just have a bit of fun and it's all good. Got plenty of budget, plenty of surplus funds and all that kind of gear. And was very restricted in, in what we can do in terms of family time together always would sacrifice time away from the family. But this time around, from the previous job with a long service leave that I had accumulated, we were able to afford our kids to come along and have a great time at conference together, check them in at kids' church, leave Declan crying so we can enjoy the conference by ourselves. Kids' church workers, by the way, are the heroes. They're, they are amazing. The stuff that we uh, put them through with our kids... Bless you guys. <laughs> why pray for more oil? Unexpected delays. Second point, why pray for more oil? Unexpected destiny. Have oil ready for destiny. Don't take enough oil for your day to day, but take enough for your destiny. And don't pray and fast just for an occasion, but for authority. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It doesn't say blessed are those who pray and fast during the February 21-day fast, during the church's annual fasting period. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Don't take enough oil for your day today, but take enough for your destiny. The unexpected challenges that come our way, the unexpected opportunities that come our way. 
the eyes of the Lord right now are looking through and fro the earth, seeing whose hearts are purely set on him. He's saying there's a destiny that's going to be coming. An unplanned, unexpected opportunity that he's going to drop on your lap. Are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready to say yes and not cower in fear, not think you're not good enough or anything like that, but in humility, in knowing who you are in Christ, knowing just like Queen Esther, I've been made for a time such as this. I'm ready, God. Like the prophet Isaiah, choose me, Lord. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. When you're hungry, when you're thirsty, for nothing else but Him, He'll drop it on you. No announcement. He'll drop it on your lap. Be ready to... Be ready to say yes. Why pray for more oil? Unconditional desire. God comes to the hungry and thirsty. You can be full and still hungry. Be hungry. And overflowing and still be thirsty for more of Him. He's our greatest reward. nothing better than Him. All the material things, family, they're great, but it's only because of Him. It's only because of Him. He is our true reward. The unconditional desire for God. Oh, password again. The unconditional desire for God. Because my desire for Him today will determine how my next season goes. Psalm 37, 23 says this, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when He delights in His way. Is God delighted in your way today? Can He trust you with more? Can He trust you with greater things? You know, I shared with our team leaders and our volunteers last week or the week before. Have you ever thought about it? The reward for faithfulness is actually more responsibility. <laughs> when David slayed the lion and the bear, he rose up. He sensed, I need to slay this giant. So when he did that, what was his reward? It was basically more responsibility. He led an army. He won that campaign. Then what was his reward? A bigger army bigger victory then what was his reward eventually the kingdom of Israel that promise from God and Jesus is saying is saying there is a promise on your life don't give up 
don't give up. But as you continually pursue and desire God, God is saying, I, I see your heart, son. I see your, your heart, daughter. And if you can worship me and desire me over your promises, over your destiny, over your calling, that's secondary. He is number one. If we get it mixed up the wrong way around, it's not going to happen. We try and do things in our own strength. We worship that call. We worship that destiny. Can I get real for a minute? And God's saying, I can't trust you with that, son. I can't trust you with that, daughter. It's going to destroy you if you approach it like that. But if you would desire me and my righteousness, my character, my holiness, who I am, your perfect loving Father, I will entrust you with more. Your greater reward is more responsibility. But He will increase you. He will grow you. You can carry it. In fact, more than that, you're going to see fruitfulness. Doesn't it say in the Bible, blessed are those who abide in me and I in Him. And He will cause you to bear much fruit and fruit that will last. So come on, as we bring the communion to the front this morning, can we come with a heart to say, God, I'm sorry for running on fumes. I'm sorry for running on minimum oil, thinking that I can just get by with a minimum God. This is our chance now. Even if we're going good, even if we are in a, in a good stead with God, we're, we're doing these things. God is saying, there is more son. There is more daughter. You haven't seen it yet. There is more, more, more. Get used to a lifestyle of overflow in His presence. That this isn't just a one thing where you're going well and then you're going to go through this thing where you're not going to go so well and you walk with God. God is saying, it's up to you. It's all the way up with Him. And no matter what circumstance or situation, you can be blessed knowing that those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As you stand up for Him, as you continue to pursue Him, you stand up for His truth and His righteousness. He's there cheering you on like He did to Stephen before the Sanhedrin. Jesus got up from his throne, saw Stephen getting persecuted, and he said, that is my son I'm proud of. And he's saying, I'm, I'm proud of you, son. I feel that about you, Pop. I feel like Jesus is saying, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. So can we come to the front with our heart to say, God, fill me again. I hunger and thirst for you. Fill me again. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.